So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my terrific co-host, Patricia Kirkman, PK, and George Lugo, famous psychic medium. And we have a great guest tonight. We are all excited about talking to this incredible guest. Brad Olson is with us. We are going to be talking about our favorite topics from Antarctica to UFOs, to alien abductions, secret organizations. Brad's got it all going on. He's going to tell us the latest and the greatest. He's got a new book in the works. We're going to hear all about it. But first, from our stellar numerologist, Patricia Kirkman, PK, tell us what's going on. Well, you know, with all that's been going on this month and in the world per se, uh, I came to the conclusion we were talking about life is just too short. And I, I got to looking at things. Do we really know who we are anymore? You know, what what do we need? What can we do to open our heart, open our arms to be more available and less fearful or to take a look at things in general? And I, I got to looking at what's taking place right now. This is a month of major changes, and it certainly has been that across the board in many respects from the government to our, our sports figures, to what have you. There's so many things going on. But do we really know who we are? Has anybody stopped to think about it? We talk about the numbers and our birthdays and such, but every letter of our name is conducive to who we are. It represents what we do and how we go about it. So I thought it would be a good idea just to take a look at some of the things going on because the first letter of our name gives people information about who we are. And so on my webpage, I'll have information about what they represent. But right now, if you take a look at the numbers one through nine, because everything works one through nine, and this has been a seven-day, which is all about teaching, learning, and that's why some people have been a little tired today, not quite able to get things moving because we had difficulty sleeping last night. And more people are probably complaining about that than anything else. But every, if you add your month and day of birth together, 
to a single number and then add four of the universe to it, that will tell you what your personal year is right now. And if we take a look at what it is, it will give us a lot of information about how we handle things and what needs to be handled. Because if a person is in a one year, they have a lot of opportunities and can make some major gains, a lot of control, definitely leadership ongoing. If it represents the number two, it's going to be success for working with others in, in association with others in partnerships. One is masculine, by the way, for a better partner in this year, and two deals with the female side as well. So, But three deals with our opportunity for changes and creativity. A lot of communication goes on, but it also has a luck factor to it. The four deals with very a varied amount of restrictions and issues dealing with the details of things, but basically it also deals with our health. It's a good time to get those checkups and get things taken care of. Don't just assume everything's going to be okay. It's a perfect time to find out take care of things for ourselves. If it totals a five, it's about decisions that we need to make, luck factor that goes with it, driving too fast, doing things in too quick of a hurry, but fun. Both threes and fives have a lot of fun. The six <laughs> deals with family, family type things, and it also works with alternative medicines. So fours and sixes deal with our health in a year like this. Seven deals with legal issues, some delays, but also very much the spiritual side. So things like what Patricia does and what George does, whatever, it's opening doors for us to really see in a new way or to add to what we already know. If it's an eight, it gives us opportunity to deal with our finances, put things in order, and plan ahead for additional monies to come in, which is the best way to make it work. Of course, we like to have more coming. And if it's a nine, it's what we do for the world at large, and it's taking, taking a time to be resourceful where the world is concerned. Help that soul in the corner that needs help today or take a look at what we can do spiritually for the universe what we can do to help others by getting rid of what we don't need to open doors for what we all need. So just kind of a little brief thing of thinking about a different way of looking at things. So if you have any questions about that, I know Patricia's great at what she does, and she has many answers for us, as well as George. So just a new way of taking a look at opening doors that are going to make our lifestyle a little bit better and we know that none of us have a guarantee of anything taking place. So why don't we do the best we can to enhance what we have to offer others? Just a thought. That's a wonderful thought, PK. Thank you so much for that. And it's easy to get distracted when there's so much going on around us, whether it's this new virus or the politics or whatever. So it mm-hmm. is so important, as you're bringing up, to keep the focus on the internal goings on of what are we responsible for and what are what is our mission in life and paying mm-hmm. attention to our own path and taking responsibility for the things that we want to clean up in our own personality so definitely you have numerology to offer people that guides them it gives them specific things that they can do you can find this information at patriciakirkman.com and you can also find PK and on Supernatural Girls website, so supernaturalgirls with a z dot com. 
And all of this, what we offer, the three of us, is all designed to help our audience get in touch with themselves. Empower right. yourself. And it's that's what we're all about. We want all of you in the audience to have the best possible life, and that comes by looking within. So we all have specific talents and abilities to help you to do that. You can find all of us on the website, and George you can find at crystalgatereadings.com. You can find me also at supernaturalgirls.com, whether it's soul realignment reading, dream analysis, whatever you're interested in, you can find us at supernaturalgirls.com. So I think it's great advice amidst all the chaos. <laughs> so thank God, you, for sure. Okay. I was thank good. I didn't, bring in, I didn't bring in the government. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's tempting, isn't it? But no. Oh, uh, that's, that's good because, again, that's just a distraction. It's where are that's we right. in all of this. So it's, it's good not to get that distracted all the time. And it's easy to do. So anyhow, it's it's a great night. We are going to have a terrific time with our guest, Brad. Make sure you also go to our Facebook page. Take a look at all the amazing stories and videos we have there. Lots and lots of UFO sightings. They're coming in from all over the world. It seems to us like there are more than ever before. So mm-hmm. take a look on the Facebook page. I just posted another video right before the show. Take a look at it. All of this is amazing. And, of course, the powers that be, and we're going to find out from Brad who they are, they can't tamp it down anymore. Everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's taking pictures and videos, and in a fraction of a second it can go around the world. So it's a different way of dealing with UFOs. I've heard, and so have you guys, that they're not Mm -hmm. even trying to deny it anymore. So that's good. They can't hide anymore. That's right. No place to hide. No place at all. So anyway, so let me tell you about our guest tonight. This is great. We're going to be talking about all these secret things. Brad Olson is the author of nine books. As I mentioned, he's got another one coming out. And he's done this great esoteric series, Modern Esoteric, Future Esoteric. He's going to tell us about our new book. He is an award-winning author. He's a book publisher, an event producer, and he does keynote presentations. He's been at Contact in the Desert, Awareness Life Expo. He's been on all the big shows like Coast to Coast and, of course, ours now. And he's been on television, including Ancient Aliens, one of our favorite shows, America Unearthed and Mysteries of the Outdoors. He is here with us tonight. We're so honored to have him here. Brad, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, gals, for having me on. It's quite a pleasure to uh, be able to have this conversation with you. Well, it's our pleasure because you have a lot of information about a lot of things. Tell us how you got into this. Well, I first started by traveling around the world, uh, even right out of college. I did my first three-month backpacking trip around Europe, self-financed all the time. Uh, mainly painting houses in my 20s, and just uh, was inspired to keep going. And I went and taught English in Japan in my mid-20s and saved enough money to do a uh, three-year trip around the world. So I was out of the country uh, for about three years, and it was quite an eye-opening experience. And I, I just couldn't believe that there were so few Americans on the backpacker trail 
So I started out as a travel writer, and most of my books are travel-related. Uh, first one called World Stompers, Global Travel Manifesto, to try to get people motivated and understand what it takes to do these long-term trips and work around the world and uh, opportunities such as that to make travel happen. And then I did uh, Sacred Places, Travel Guides, uh, North America, Europe, and Sacred Place Around the World, 108 Destinations. So that was a series of books I did. And then that sort of opened me up to this whole idea of esoteric subjects, because some of the places that I was covering in the Sacred Places books, like the Great Pyramid, Angkor Wat, and uh, Nazca Lines, all, all these uh, very mysterious places that still leave us with more questions and answers brought me into this field. So it was almost like the esoteric series was just an expansion out of the sacred places guides. And these books uh, came out around 2012. It's modern esoteric beyond our senses is book one. And this deals with, if I can give the quick 30 second elevator pitch, all the esoteric traditions throughout human history, even going back to antediluvian civilizations on this planet, all the evidence there is that there were high civilizations, the megalithic cultures, uh, and then leading up to this modern age and the dilemma we find ourselves in today. And then the second book in the series called Future Esoteric, The Unseen Realms. And that's really when I get into a lot of the extraterrestrial and the secret state that's kept it all bottled up as you mentioned in the setup, that uh, there's so many secrets out there. Uh, and disclosure, I've often said, comes from the bottom up. So it's shows like yours, it's books like mine, and conversations that we have that help people understand, because the government's never going to tell us anything. <laughs> and so yeah, uh, future sure. esoteric with all the... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no with, benefit with the to no, because they're backward engineering the technology, and uh, they've created false treaties called the Griotta Treaty. I cover this in Future Esoteric. Uh, but this book really propelled my career as a speaker at UFO conferences. You mentioned Contact in the Desert. In three weeks, I'll be at the UFO Mega Conference in Laughlin, Nevada, and my lecture this time is on Antarctica. And one year ago, I was down there. I was in Antarctica on a 26-day sailboat journey with 14 people uh, exploring around the Palmer Peninsula. So uh, one of the few people in this uh, area of research that's actually been there, and now I've been to all seven continents. So combining my travel experience with my curiosity and writing about them in my books is kind of how I got to where I am now. Well, an exciting Phenomenal. life you lead. Yeah, that is incredible. So I don't even leave so much... town. <laughs> really? No, me too. We're going to live vicariously through you, Brad, that's for sure, especially tonight. So there's so much to talk about. And you mentioned this treaty that the government made. Can you? Why don't we start there? Because let's go right for the secret organizations and and how they've kept this undercover through all these years and all these these UFO crashes and landings and everything else. 
they did make a treaty. So tell us sure, about that. Sure. Yeah, it's called the Griotta Treaty. It's kind of like the name of the island in the Caribbean, Grenada, but it's spelled Griotta. And it was basically started in the 1930s, and it gets revised every 10 years. The first crash retrievals came before Roswell, even though Roswell is the most infamous of all crash retrievals, probably because it took the government so long to get out there to cordon off the, the area. And, and it was around that time. Truman, of course, was president right after World War II, 1947, of the Roswell crash. And they had seen that this is, this is some high technology that has to be understood. And because the whole concept of extraterrestrials visiting Earth seemed to be such a disturbing subject, as was portrayed in the Orson Welles War of the Worlds uh, radio broadcast in the 1930s when people thought it was real and we were being invaded from aliens from Mars and people actually jumped out of windows and committed suicide and some people went crazy because it was so believable. And, and in fact, that radio broadcast was in the Brookings Institution report of the 1970s saying, we can't tell the public about this. They would just go crazy. Uh, they mm-hmm. can't handle the truth, basically. So, therefore, we have to continue to deny and ridicule and put the FUD factor, that, that IBM saying, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, into anything extraterrestrial. And that's where you get all these paid skeptics and uh, Project Blue Book and all these ways that they deflected us from the truth. All the while, they were doing this Griotta Treaty every 10 years. So, it's on the fourth year of every decade. And the, the most fascinating decade I found in my research was 1964, which was the time of the ET crafts coming down to uh, Holloman Air Base in New Mexico, and, and a technology exchange occurred. What the ETs always want is to be able to operate without with impunity and they also want to be able to take biological samples so this is what the cattle mutilation phenomenon is all about and this is what the abduction of humans is all about and they would trade us high technology and I, and, and this had been going on for as they said two decades we had a treaty was started in 1934 and they had started to get a technology of a huge amount uh, after Roswell. And so we started backward engineering this stuff, and we have been for over 70 years. And that is one of the main reasons for the secrecy, because as we know, there's this arms race with Russia, and they're doing the same thing. You know, right after uh, the Soviet Union collapsed, you could show up in Moscow with a suitcase of currency and, and find people that work for the KGB and sell you alien autopsy videos, uh, crash retrievals in Russia, and all kinds of documents, including spying on the Germans down in Antarctica and a whole plethora of subject matter. So that, that, that was kind of the golden age of 
uh, UFO information coming out in the early 1990s. And it's still today, Russia has all these uh, secrets that have come out, and they're a lot more open to it. In fact, uh, the president, Dmitry Medvedev, when he was the prime minister, uh, let it slip on a open mic that they knew the men in black, the real men in black, very ET-like, probably hybrids, uh, were there, and he said they were concerned that there would cause hysteria. But the Russian people, I think, are, are more open to it, as are people in South America, where I was a year ago as well, going before into Antarctica. And we had met some people, uh, some indigenous people that have had close encounters of the fifth kind, just face-to-face. Crafts will come down if they feel non-threatened. And for some reason, probably because indigenous people are a lot closer to the earth, they feel safer making contact with them. So it's really us in America that kind of have this head trip about the whole thing. And maybe because we have just been hit with so much propaganda over the decades and, and so much fear, uncertainty, and doubt on the subject, that it's hard to really separate the wheat from the chaff sometimes and know what's real and, and what's a disinformation red herring. So uh, the well, Griotta Treaty is a perfect before, example. Yeah, that, cause that you talk about that treaty being renegotiated every 10 years. How? I mean, how would they renegotiate it? It just seems like the ETs are going to do whatever they want. We can't stop them. Well, so in, in, in the 1950s, around 1954, Eisenhower was presented with benevolent ETs that said, hey, you guys are creating these nuclear bombs. You're on the verge of Armageddon. How about we'll give you that high-tech technology. We'll give you free energy. We'll do all these things that the malevolent ETs are, but you got to get rid of these nukes. This is too dangerous. Eisenhower perhaps made the worst decision of any president in history, and I'm good friends with Laura Eisenhower, his great-granddaughter, who also speaks at conferences, and we've had many conversations about this, and it really set the course of history into the direction of siding with the malevolent ETs, and let me explain who they are. This is what is in an umbrella term called the Archon Network, and this is uh, pretty much the top of the pyramid are the reptilian ETs, they're an invasive species. They are service to self ETs. They also work with many of the grays, who are all synthetic beings. They're all test tube created, um, said that they don't have souls. They're very robotic, even though they are biological entities. And then there are also these invisible archons themselves, which shaman uh have seen and spoken of in their visions, and they're, they're these tricksters. The Muslim people call them the jinn. Um, we might call them demons through Christianity, and they basically feed off of humans. We are their food source, especially in the event that we're very fearful or afraid. It becomes food to them, and there's even a word for it called louche. So there is a point in keeping Earth in a very fear-based emotional state because it's nutrition for them. And, and that's why we, we have 
wars, we have famine, we have so many things going wrong in the world. Look, the human race is smart. We can come out of this and not have these problems anymore, but we are being manipulated at the core. And this is what I try to make uh, underscore in my book, Future Esoteric, so people understand that we have this parasitic invasion, and we've had it for thousands of years. And they basically work through what I call cutouts, what are the people who, who are, as we know, the bankers today, the, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, these very, very wealthy people who have basically made a pact. And, and it gives new meaning to uh, making a deal with the devil. And I've, I've said in Coast to Coast and, and other shows that the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, they're more like the colonels and the majors. The real generals is this Archon network, are, are the reptilians at the top. And, and they are masters at taking over planets. And Earth is certainly not the first, and it won't be the last. And they're also masters at creating this illusion of currency. Because if you cre can create a currency, this fiat currency that we have all across the world – you can control the masses that way because they are very few in numbers compared to us, over 7 billion on this surface. And if we were to ever really find out what they're up to, we could probably get rid of them. And we should well, because yeah, we won't we be free. We won't be able to create a utopian planet, which we very much could achieve if we could get rid of them. We definitely need to unite about this, but so many people don't believe this is even real, but it is real. And as you said, the shamans have seen these things. They know what they are, and I believe Castaneda wrote about them, didn't he? I mean, I think I sure he, did. Yep. he identified them and said this is what they look like and this Absolutely. is what they do and this is how they attack us. So it's very, very much a part of shamanic, the shamanic world. They know how how to identify these creatures so now the grays you're saying they're all robotic or they're a combination of biological and, and robot entities is that what you're saying for the grays you're not but not robot in the sense where you would think of mechanized parts but they don't breed anymore they have lost their capacity for love and that's what makes them service to self and, and also, it could be argued this is how they lost their souls, because humans uh, in the incarnation process will not attach to them. They're just so different because they have been biologically created, uh, as I said, in test tubes. So they have a, a way about them that is very methodical. They're extremely intelligent. And the other thing that should be understood about this Archon network is they have fourth-dimensional abilities, meaning they can be extremely telepathic with humans, so they can even get in your head and start making you feel like you're schizophrenic if indeed you're being targeted by them. And they can be uh, very dangerous to any human in which they want to target, whether it is an abduction scenario or um, if, if perhaps you're becoming too uh, awoken, they will target these people. So people that I know uh, and, and come, in, come to the conferences and, and speak about how they 
may have had a, an awakening period. It, it's almost like that nail that sticks up gets hammered down. So psychically, if you start awakening yourself, they don't like that. And there, there is an objective to uh, target these type of individuals. And I can tell you myself, I'm one of them. And I have been really? attacked in many ways. Oh, yes. So how do they come after you? Tell us so that maybe we can identify the, the symptoms of an attack. Mm-hmm. What is it? What happens? Well, as a as a TI, as it's called, target individual, it can come in many different ways. And some of them are very human, very logical ways. For example, my computer has been hacked. My, I'm sure all my files have been looked at, stolen. They know what I'm up to all the time. I always keep a little sticker over the uh, video uh, just so... It's not so obvious I'm being spied on everywhere. But basically, um, yeah, they can hijack my keyboard. They prevented me from writing uh, sometimes. And, and I'll even take my computer in, and they're like, we have never seen anything like this before. Even had my lawyer do it. Here, type something, and it just comes out gibberish. Ooh. Like, wow. <laughs> that, so, so that could have a very human component. Right. But the archons <laughs> also have a way of also – they can um, invade. They can invade people. And uh, my former partner had a, a very severe archonic attachment. And, and we tried so many different ways to remove it. And she, too, was having very close to an enlightenment type of uh, in, in scenario when this archon attached. And um, it's wreaked havoc in her life. And I'll tell you this, the reason they can't really attack me in the same way is because I raise my vibrational level so high. They can't get me because I'm not fearful and I'm not afraid. Uh, But they have gotten me in other ways in the physical realm. And uh, some of that has to do with some extremely esoteric subjects, which I'm covering in my next book, Beyond Esoteric. And that is uh, the black goo, which has come out from some islands near Antarctica, one called South Thule Island, way, 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 way down there uh, at the same 60-degree latitude as the Antarctic Treaty specifies. Um, if, if you want to get into the Black Goo, it's kind of a complicated story. We have to tell you, but it has been released upon the world, and most people would have heard of the Morgellon Syndrome, uh, yes, the folk yes. singer Joni Mitchell had it, and she described mm-hmm. it as the alien fiber. And this, this is concurrent with the time that the black goo uh, was was extracted from South Thule Island during the Falkland Wars. We all remember when Britain went down and attacked those islands off of uh, southern Argentina. Well, mm-hmm. it was just down there in Ushuaia. Yeah, and they call, call them Isles Maldiva. You don't call them the Falklands down in Argentina. You might get in a barroom fight. It's still a very sore subject. And 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 I remember at the t- time when it was happening, I was in junior high, and, and it was such a strange thing that, that Britain would throw so many resources into this Falkland Wars, and hundreds mm-hmm. of people died, mostly Argentinians, but the Britons suffered too. What What, what was the reason for this. I mean, it's all sheep down there. There's only a few thousand people that live on the Falkland Islands. Well, you can go to the Wikipedia page and read about the Falkland Wars. A lot of people don't realize it was a two 
pronged sea attack. And the other part of the naval assault was down to the, uh, the South Sandwich Islands. And this is where Southern Thule Island is. And in fact, I, I talk about this in my Antarctica presentation, which I'll be giving at uh, the UFO Megacon and uh, Human Origins and Albuquerque at the beginning of April and also uh, Contact in the Desert. And basically, speaking on the black goo, it was this island that was being studied by the Argentinians. And it was the final battle for, for the Falkland Wars. In fact, the surrender treaty was signed on a British ship right off the coast of southern Thule Island. They surrendered. They didn't even fight on that island. It was all researchers that gave up. Britain acquired the island, destroyed the Corbetta Uruguay base, which was studying the Black Goo, and they took the Black Goo back to the UK in the early 1980s, and it wreaked havoc with their researchers. They tried to backward engineer it in a place called the Marconi Laboratories, and many of those scientists have died. Uh, I, I've spoken to Miles Johnston of the BASIS project and Harold Kotzvela, two of the premier researchers on the black goo and how it has uh, been released into the world. Now, what it is is like an AI substance that has a way of rapidly cloning whatever it is that is presented before it. And, and oh the backstory of how it got to Earth. I mean, have you guys heard of this? Is this all no. information to you? This Incredible. This is news to me. How about you, George? Have you heard of this? Yeah, it's news. Yeah, it's never heard of this. Goodness. I've heard of it. I've never heard anybody explain it. Okay. I mean, we've seen it on the X Files, right? I mean, they used this on the X Files. Oh yeah. And it's in the black goo come out of people's eyes and nose, and Mm -hmm. it was so disgusting. And now we're finding out from you that it's real. It's real. So it's an AI yeah. substance that can shapeshift. That's bizarre and also very frightening. It's all very frightening, and now it has been released into the world. And the Morgellons fibers are appearing in people's pets, in farm animals. It is basically um, a new disease that has is sweeping the world it is appearing everywhere and it is a tool to control targeted individuals and here's one more little tidbit people who are rh negative blood and we can talk about that because it's quite fascinating too are particularly susceptible to it including my family uh-huh. uh, is rh negative blood and rh negative blood people are more psychic they're more attuned RH negative blood types cannot be cloned is also the weird thing about it. And this uh, black goo substance, is, uh, it was used for rapid cloning. So I did want to tell you the backstory, And it was actually introduced for very benevolent reasons. Because there was an incident about 74,000 years ago when a massive volcano erupted in what is today Indonesia, on the island of Sumatra. It was called the Toba Explosion, and I I visited it. I've I've been to Lake Toba. It's a massive caldera with a lake and a cone in the middle and lakes inside the islands within the lakes. Uh, And when Toba exploded, the human population on this planet was reduced 
to about as many humans as would fit into one of our large football stadiums. Oh, 30,000 oh people were all that was alive. And because the surface of Earth is always meant to be a human occupied planet, we were very vulnerable to alien invasion. And in fact, this is around the time that the um, reptilians were trying to make inroads. So they brought so the benevolent ETs that wanted to keep Earth a human planet brought the black goo here, deposited it in southern Chile Island, which is always frozen. It's a glacial island, and they put it in a in a like an ET base cave. And this is what the Argentinians were studying in a cold environment where it couldn't get released. The British, some say, some of these researchers who work on the black goo, who say. The whole reason we went down there, the whole reason the whole Falkland Wars occurred was to acquire this black goo because they knew about it and they wanted to take it back and backward engineer. But once it gets into a warmer climate, then it can do its own thing. And just like any living life form, it seeks to stay alive and reproduce and carry on. So this is something uh, people really have to understand. And you could even say that it could could be part of this Archon network at this point. Now that it has gotten out there into the world, um, I, I don't really know entirely how we can get rid of it. I do know for myself how I've been able, and I did have more gallons, and I've been able to uh, cleanse myself of it, but it has not been easy. It is the hardest thing I've ever had to do with my physical body, and it is only because I completely changed my diet, exercise, bad habits, eliminating things from my diet, and I'll tell you uh, what did it is is uh, these terpenes, which is basically a form of turpentine that uh, it can be extracted, but there is a food grade that you can get. If any of your listeners have Morgellons, you can get food grade turpentine, put a little bit on a sugar cube, and it will kill the candida, which is another phenomenon that has vexed the human race in the last uh, couple decades. And it is tied into Morgellons. That is people that have the yellowish tongue. And basically it is something that is very difficult to get rid of. But these terpenes will kill them both. And so and that's an old-fashioned uh, remedy, too. That's that remedy. The, it sure that remedy is. That remedy that you're yeah, discussing, that's been around yep. for a long time. And, of course, we've forgotten about them those types of remedies and have replaced them with antibiotics and things that may get worse. So this is a, a good thing I you're bringing do. up. Yep. My goodness. And, yeah, and, I mean, my and God. Just because is... I want to Go ahead. be very clear on this, that turpentine can help kill parasites. You have to use 100% pure gum spirits of, of turpentine. Anything else is very toxic to humans. But the recommended dose is just a one tablespoon a day on a sugar cube, and it can be lethal if you take a lot. So you have to really follow directions. I'm on a uh, website called ParasiteCleaners.com, and you can look at more remedies. Turpentine is the URL for any of your listeners that want to do any follow-up on this. And, of course, I'm going to cover this in my, my book, Beyond Esoteric, in a chapter called 
bring more gallons because I feel very strongly that this has been unleashed on the human race and nobody is really talking about it. And believe me, I've been to uh, dermatologists and Western medicines don't know anything about this. They tried to put me on psych meds and then they called it parasitosis, delusional parasitosis. They thought it was all in my head. And even though I'm bringing in samples, I'm like, let's put it under the microscope. Let's look at it. So we have been totally, uh, modern Western medicine has failed us in helping us believe this. And it's interesting that the CDC, Center for Disease Control, which is tasked with understanding new phenomenon such as Morgellons, they deny it even exists. They also deny that chemtrails are happening. And this is another way that it is being distributed. Like chemtrails. Yeah, so well, you're preaching to the choir the, here, the, the, Brad, with what you're saying. Agencies that should agree. be out to help us are actually, yeah. The Eric, agencies how do you, that should be out to help us. I think I missed it, but how did you acquire it? How did you get it? I am not sure. Uh, it could have been through chemtrails. It's also been turning up in food, in processed food. Um, huh. There was a good video. I don't know if it's still up, but somebody... Uh, cracked open a chicken nugget. I don't want to say where it comes from, but just avoid right. those at all costs. And they saw like these little red and white fibers, and they put it under a microscope, and there they were, uh, the Morgellons fibers. So it does. They were being. Um, it's being delivered through our food as well. Um, and I know that processed food also has been shown to have it. There's a great researcher. I hope her video is still up because it was so very valuable to me when I was understanding this. Her name is Sophia Smallstorm, and she would collect the rain samples every time uh, it was a heavy chemtrail day. And if you're you're watching the days that they uh, lay the, the lines down the sky, it's usually before and after a storm. So after the storm, she would collect uh, rainwater and then put it under a microscope. Lo and behold, there's Morgellons fibers. Now, here's a little interesting thing we can all do. And by the way, I've done this test with about three dozen of my friends. Everyone, 100% have it. It is out there. And this is what you do. You put a little red wine in your mouth. You hold it for about five minutes a little bit distasteful to hold red wine in your mouth for that long, but it'll basically pull the Morgellons out of your soft tissue, out of your cheeks, out of your throat, even out of your tongue. You spit it out, see what's in there. You drain most of the red wine and leave those fibers in a dish and add a little rubbing alcohol and you'll see these things squirm. You'll see it's some kind of artificial life that we have been uh, tainted with. Oi, wow! Oi, wow! No. So sorry is... to be the bearer of bad news on all this. Yeah, but really. I just but think people I'm... absolutely have to understand. I, I just <laughs> wanted to say one other thing. I did talk with a doctor who's a researcher in microbiology, and he did say that Morgellons is related also to amalgam fillings. So people did get a relief. I'm not saying they got cured, but they did get relief when they had their amalgam fillings removed. So that may be another piece uh, of the puzzle. Oh, you know, interesting. Heavy metals in your mouth. Like uh, mercury fillings? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amalgam. What oh, was interesting. Yes. Again. 
gosh. Well, we're going to take a very short commercial break, everybody, and come right back and continue to speak with our guest tonight, Brad Olson. And we are talking about our favorite topics, even though they're a little on the scary side. We, we just are enjoying this conversation so much. So stay tuned, everybody. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Pure essential oil, specialized mineral, and a revolutionary anti-aging technology. Astridium combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy-to-use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridian's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian, beyond your expectations. There are a lot of psychics out there. How do you decide which one is right for you? You look for someone who empowers you, who's practical and spiritually connected, who says, here are your opportunities, here are your challenges, and here's a way to deal with them, and then gives you your own toolbox to make your life everything you want it to be. Hi, I'm Corby Mitleide, and that's how I work with you. As a certified professional tarot reader, I've helped thousands of people for over 40 years through my toolbox. Cards, past life retrieval, numerology, spirit guide conferences, and mediumship. Whether it's career, relationships, finances, or your spiritual road, together we can replace your confusion with clarity. And you'll probably find a little laughter along the way. Visit me at CorbyMitlide.com to find out how to cross your bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. And tell me you found me at Supernatural Girls for a special gift with your reading. Corby Mitlide, the practical psychic for catching your tomorrows today. Find me at CorbyMitlide.com. That's CorbyMitlide.com. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? 
Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, people have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles library of consciousness alignments, go to commandmiracles.com now for details. Again, that's commandmiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. That's commandmiracles.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-hosts, Patricia Kirkman, PK, and George Lugo, and our guest tonight. It's so exciting to hear what Brad has to say. Brad Olson, he's the author of nine books, including Esoteric Series, Modern Esoteric, and Future Esoteric. And I just want to make a comment and go back to what PK said at the beginning of the show. You know, working on yourself, and I hate to use the word work, it's just exploring yourself, clearing yourself of fear. It's one of the best things you can do to improve your life and take you out of the running when it comes to these these things that are after us. I was told a long time ago that when you don't have any fear, they can't see you. You become invisible to these invaders. So I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it's worth a try. <laughs> so well, let's continue this conversation about black goo and Antarctica and all of these these beings that are here. They're underground. They're in the skies. They're probably living down the street with us, right? Brad? Uh, is that my question? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, question among us? That's probably <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are they among us? Uh, well, I also do research on uh, the giants that, that have been found in prehistory, some very very, very old, very large, but also some very contemporary, including those with the elongated heads. And again, down in South America, they're much more prone to be accepting of such a concept that uh, a hybrid of some kind of ET DNA, uh, these elongated skulls have been sequenced, and most are found to have female human mothers but unknown fathers. And they have these massive heads that are 30% larger cranial capacity. Their brains are 30% larger than ours. And so they're human-like, but they're not human. And they have a museum in Paracas, Peru. I went to another one in the Sacred Valley of Peru and saw an adolescent whose head was as big as its torso. Can you imagine Oh my God! Massive heads. Yeah. Now so you mentioned that it has, skulls, but you're saying it has uh, female DNA, but the male DNA is unknown. And I also heard from David Polides that that is also what has been found in Bigfoot DNA. Exactly the same. 
It's human, female, and unknown male. Have you heard that? That is interesting. I've not heard that, but uh, the, the, it was also the, the uh, star child skull that Lloyd Pye was uh, touring around with that was discovered in Mexico about 80 years ago, and that too was a DNA sequence, and it was a female mother. And isn't this what the Bible said, that they, that the Anunnaki and Nephilim, they saw that the earth women were beautiful, and they mated with them, and this is like another version of the original sin, in a way, mm-hmm. of crossing mm-hmm. species. And we know that you can take a donkey and a horse and them, and the offspring is a mule. It's a totally different species, very similar to its parents, but it's sterile. It cannot mate on its own. Mules are just a one-way street. They're born, and then they have to uh, die with that. But the other example I give when I was doing my talk on the giants is only about three years ago in the magazine called Nature, they had said there are actually two species of African giraffe. Now, to the untrained eye, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And and such is the same with the human race. And this is where we can bring in the RH negative blood again, because RH negative blood types, while only 15% of the human race, have very unique and different and quite bizarre traits. And as I mentioned, my family is RH negative. So my grandmother, who was RH negative, she married a man who was RH positive. So Some of my aunts and uncles are RH negative, and some, like my dad, are RH negative. Uh, But so my grandmother, having RH negative blood, gave birth to Uncle Douglas, who at five days old, his blood was contaminated with my grandmother's, and it killed him. Mm. This happens in no other animals in the world. Only humans have this trait where a mother can kill its own offspring by contaminating its blood. And what that means is we really are two human race species. We can mate, we can uh, cohabitate. And even though my mother was RH positive and I am RH positive, it's sort of like the way you inherit and pass on uh, eye colors and hair color. Uh, I could also pass on RH negative blood if I were to have children. So there are all these weird things about it, as I mentioned, more psychic. Sometimes there's an extra vertebrae or an extra rib. Uh, So there are physical differences as well. Uh, Lower heart rate, lower um, uh, uh, pressure, and most seers or psychics are RH negative. And they're also more apt to be able to astral travel and go out of body. So the whole thinking is, and and I should clarify this, that RH, it stands for the rhesus monkey, an abbreviation for this monkey, because in 85% of all humans, there is a direct correlation to the apes, as we know through Darwinian evolution. However... Mm -hmm. RH negative means there's no traces of the monkey in these people. So this does lend credibility to to, there were antediluvian civilizations, high-tech civilizations, 
extraterrestrials that were very human-like that were all RH negative blood. And most human abductions are RH negative type. They want that blood type uh, for some reason to do perform experiments on, which is another really strange thing. What are they doing with all these biological samples that they're taking? They're taking samples from cattle and horses and people. What in the world are they up to with that? What are they doing? Yeah, I have a chapter in Future Esoteric called Cattle Mutilation and Human Abductions. And so as far as cattle go, they're they're extracting the soft tissue. They're coring out, this may sound gross, but the anus region, the uh, soft tissue around the eyes sometimes. Um, right. And they're the also lips, extracting yeah. red blood cells and, and so forth it, to the point where our medical doctors still cannot perform some of the experiments that have been seen on some of the mutilated cattle. And, and I know Linda Moulton how personally, as well as Christopher O'Brien, two of the premier researchers in this, and we've had long discussions on it and uh, familiar with their material. Chris did a book called The Mysterious Valley of chronicling hundreds of animal mutilations in the San Luis Valley. Valley is where the whole phenomenon started. I don't know if you know it. It's the uh, highest alpine valley in North America. It's at the very southern end of Colorado, south central Colorado. It extends into New Mexico a little ways. It's around where Taos, New Mexico is. The very first animal mutilation was actually a horse named Snippy the Horse right near the great sand dunes in the San Luis Valley. And it's interesting that that is also very close to Dulce, New Mexico, where there is a rumored massive underground base there, an old uh, legacy base, I call them, the real old ET bases, and I've been able to identify about a dozen around the world. One of them is is uh, Dulce, New Mexico. And it's well, also I'm interesting you, that the Sandia Mountain... Because let me just segue into another topic that I want to make sure we cover with you tonight, and, sure. and that is Project Paperclip and the Nazi scientists that came over here. And how they've yeah. been working not only with back engineering technology but other things as well. What do you know about this? Is, are these one, of the, one or more of these secret organizations that are doing ex- continuing to do experiments with humans? What are they up to? Yes, they are. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting that uh, one of the very first human abduction cases was Barney and Betty Hill. You may yes. have heard of that in the yes. uh, yes. 1960s. They were abducted in New Hampshire when they were driving. Uh, they had been, until they they had memory regression and came back and remembered the scenario, they got abducted a few more times. And one thing that Barney Hill said he remembered was a full uniformed Nazi SS on some of these craft with gray aliens that were performing some of the abduction scenarios. And it took me a long time to try to wrap my head around that. Like, how, how could that be possible? But as you brought up, PK, that they have a connection with these malevolent ETs. And it was a very big fascination with the Third Reich to not only backward engineer craft, and they had one in in the Black Forest region of Germany. They also had another craft that was much more intact 
that crashed in the Lombardy region of Italy during Mussolini's uh, era in the 1930s, and he let the Nazis take it over. So they were working on backward engineering back, back in the 1930s. This is why I think the U.S. got involved with the Griotta Treaty around that time, too, because they started to see that this was going to be how we were going to have to compete. And the Germans were very good at uh, backward engineering and understanding this. They had an area in what is today the Czech Republic called the Skoda Works. This is where they were doing a lot of this backward engineering work. And then after the war, you have people like Werner von Braun and Hermann Obereth, who both made comments that, how did you get this technology? Hermann Obereth said at his uh, farewell dinner uh, with NASA, and he said, we had help from the people above. I mean, they were even admitting that they were getting assistance from extraterrestrials to create their own disc-shaped craft. And then you have this brilliant scientist named Schorenberger. He was working on a lot of this technology with them. And then right after the war, poof, it all vanished. Where did it go? Many people think Antarctica. And then so you have the paperclip Nazis that came over here that started NASA, like Werner von Braun, and they were still doing their uh, like their V2, V4, V7 rockets, the later iteration of these uh, rockets, which were basically became the Mercury and the Apollo rockets. And they're basically big Roman candles propelling up to the sky, where the real high technology, that was kept hidden. And that is what's known as the third force. The Nazis... Uh, when the war was over, Germany surrendered the three fighting forces, the Air Force, the ground forces, and the Navy. What did not surrender was the political party, the Third Reich, never surrendered in World War II. They just went underground, and they took all the, the gold, and there are still priceless paintings and pieces of work that were looted out of Europe in the wartime that have never been recovered, Martin Bormann kept popping up all over South America. He was the money man and Adolf Hitler's number two. One of the things I was doing while I was researching in South America last year was going to many of these locations that had uh, fugitive Nazis. You could even read the Lonely Planet book. We're going through this really remote town in Bolivia, and I'm I'm reading it to uh, my partner. What's going on in this town? It's like, oh, yeah, there's a sawmill and uh, – Klaus Barbie, the butcher of lion. Yeah, he got a new identity and he lived out his natural life here. You can read about that in the Lonely Planet. Oh and my goodness! A series called Hunting Hitler. Yeah, and I, I do believe that Hitler did fake his own death and escape to South America. And I, I visited uh, San Carlos de Bariloche, the Eden Hotel in La Falda, all locations where Hitler was sighted even after the war. And again, the South Americans, they're like resigned to the fact that uh, the Nazis did escape. And so I did the tour of the Eden Hotel, and at the end of the tour, I'm like, do you really think Hitler was here after the war to the guide? And he says, oh, yeah, I know for a fact he was. In fact, there's still an elderly woman that lives right here in town that remembers him and Eva Braun eating dinner with the Eichhorns, and they even, even showed me the room. He's like, this was Hitler's room. This is where they stayed. So, so much evidence down there, but it's like Americans just have this cognitive dissonance about so many things regarding uh, UFOs, as we said in the first segment, and also about this whole concept of the Nazis 
and the Fourth Reich, this third force that remained in the world, uh, that existed after the war. Well, why? Because the same Nazis that started NASA, uh, the other Nazis were also part of the intelligence, starting mm-hmm. the CIA. You have Reinhard mm-hmm. Galen, who, who should have been in Nuremberg, put up on war crimes. We brought him over here to spy on the Soviets. So, so many things, as, as well as MK Ultra. Do you know what the K stands for in MK? It's mind control, spelled with the German spelling of control, with a K. That, too, was brought over. So they have been manipulating us into, A, thinking that this wasn't a big deal at all, that we brought all these uh, former Nazis over here and gave new identities and put them on the payroll. But they have been manipulating us, and they have been doing it also through television and mass media and any way they can to shape perceptions of Americans. And so this is what I cover in my esoteric books because I feel people absolutely have to understand this. They do? Because you cannot escape if you don't know the problem. That's so true. As far as the whole world goes, Americans are like processed cheese. (laughs) I mean, we just (laughs) keep the ice cubes coming and the clean sheets and, you know, I'm good. So, you Mm -hmm. know, they're kind of blind to so much of this stuff, you know? This is great. This is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing um, great work, Brad. That's for sure, and we appreciate it. Fabulous. You know, sure. here's another question. We've done some work on something we call American Skull, Skull Project. We kind of based it on things that happened in the U.K. with Robin Foy's group. But some of the things we encountered were were very, very uh, dark, and that's putting it mildly. But one of the things that we suspect has been going on, I'm not sure if you're aware of the people that have gone missing in the national parks. There's right. not a trace of them. Uh, and then oh, yeah. there have been five mm-hmm. physicists that disappeared, all Germans. And we saw a Nazi involvement with this. And it's one of the reasons why nobody's ever been caught abducting them. Now, I, we also think some of these abductions, have uh, some relationship to Bigfoot or something like Bigfoot that's taking small children and things like that. But then there's this whole other side of it where they're taking these people and they're experimenting on them and then dumping their bodies in water. Mm-hmm. And they're experimenting on a level that is very hard for us to wrap our minds around because they're experimenting with their souls. So when you talk about the greys don't have souls, it makes me also wonder is this something they're experimenting with to put the souls back in where they've, they've lost them? It, there's just so much to this. This is such a big, deep rabbit hole. But we've seen this in, in the work that we've done, trying to find the missing and find some of the people. They're not on the other side. You know, we've looked. They're not there. So who's doing this? And it does make sense that there would be some type of Nazi involvement especially with the German physicists going missing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if what yeah, else you know I, about this. I, I can but offer some insight on that. You're, you're yeah. right. Please, go ahead. That, that, that Indeed, many, many people do go missing in national parks, especially uh, in faraway places. And as a skier, I'm also told that uh, those who go out of bounds and there's certain places near underground bases, one of which I know is Telluride, I've not skied there, but any people that go out of bounds there, they feel they're like fair game. You know, on the FBI record, 40,000 Americans a year go missing. 
where the heck are they going? Sure, yeah. some of them are being abducted and perhaps um, um, it's also been said that humans have been uh, seen in cages in the Dulce Base and uh, China Lakes. I mean, there's this whole network of uh, human trafficking that is now coming to the surface. It's very dark, as you said, very disturbing if you think about it. And again, when you control the media, when you control the narrative, you can basically hide a lot of this stuff. And that's where it has remained. But I have some additional insight that there is a human trafficking operation that is even taking people off planet. And once you're off planet, you're never coming back. And there is a trade, a human trade off planet. This is according to uh, Corey Good and several others who have firsthand witnessed it. Those that have uh, started to come out from the secret space program, those who have done the 20 and back, who have worked uh, uh, off planet, including Captain Randy Kramer, James Rink, Penny Bradley, uh, as I mentioned, Corey Good. I know all four of these individuals personally. I've talked to them one on one. Either they are some of the best actors I've ever seen to be able to shake uh, and cry when they re- reveal this, because many times these people are screaming for help, but uh, these individuals are powerless to do anything for these people, knowing darn well that they're going to take a one-way trip somewhere. And and their use is for uh, sometimes sex slaves, sometimes body parts or organ parts, uh, just in the same way that we keep our livestock or you go to a seafood restaurant, you see the lobster in the tank, they're still alive. They keep them alive until they need them. So this is very dark. This is down the rabbit hole about as deep as you can go. But it does help explain where many of these uh, 40,000-plus people disappear to every year. And you mentioned the National Park. And one thing I have heard, uh, and basically what I do as a researcher, I was not a super soldier. I never took a security oath in the military. I was never in the military. But what I do is collect data points. And when I hear some of these individuals say the exact same thing, it starts to resonate. Well, they, they weren't there for the same interview, but they're saying the same thing. And what they have said is there are areas in our national parks that are completely off limits. And these are the, the drops where they don't really return the cattle mutilations to the farms anymore because it was just creating too much attention. They'll take the cattle out to some of these drop zones in the national parks where no people are allowed to go, and they're just carcasses and human body parts and stuff, and then eventually they'll come and clean a lot of the stuff up, but that's where where they're getting rid of them if the, the, they're harvested here on Earth and then they just want to get rid of the, the carcasses. And we know that in the Grand Canyon there is also a huge area that also has Egyptian themes all over it. Look on a map. It's like the Isis Butte, uh, the Osiris Mesa, and all these names that are associated with uh, Egyptian gods. And there was a very famous voyage uh, by a man named Kincaid, and it was on the uh, front page of the uh, Phoenix, I think it was the Phoenix Gazette, 
And I was just at a, a conference in Florida a week and a half ago with Clifford Mahoudby, a great friend of mine, a Zuni elder. And he did an expedition into this forbidden area in the Grand Canyon to find what Kincaid found, which is these elaborate and extensive caves that were created by the Egyptians. And it had Egyptian hieroglyphs, Egyptian statuary, uh, relief carvings, and they found the entrance to the cave. And another uh, colleague of mine, Gary David, uh, they put out a video called, I think it was called Returning to Sipapu, and some of the information, and they found the Kincaid cave that he discovered and was on the front page of the newspaper. So it's interesting that this is in a national park, and it is in this forbidden zone, but they were able to sneak in and fly some drones around, and Clifford Mahoudi told me that they had found it. They know where it is, and I have a pretty good idea where it is, too. It's up a side canyon uh, in the middle part of the Grand Canyon, in this area where all these Egyptian place names are located. Just incredible. Wow. My goodness. Yeah. Well, and again, so there are people like you, Brad, that are revealing a lot of information. And you're so right that it's the way this narrative keeps being drummed into our heads as a culture that we're made fun of if we explore these kinds of things or talk about them, that there's not a lot of room now what's happening, though, is with this rebranding of UFOs, calling them UAPs or some other stupid acronym, <laughs> that, yeah. you know, they're, they're trying to build a whole new narrative around UFOs, it appears, to make them more acceptable because they can't deny it anymore. And here's my question to you. It appears that something is pressuring our government to finally let some of this out. It's like they can't hold it back anymore. But why? Is it because China and Russia are going to release the information first and then the U.S. will be humiliated? Or is it the ETs? Are they the ones that are saying you have to let this out? Or is it something else? I would say it's probably a combination of many factors. Uh, it's almost like the genie's out of the bottle, and as you said, now they're not even denying it anymore Mm -hmm. with some of these latest revelations, and the Air Force pilots and Navy pilots are saying, oh, yeah, we saw them, and they they shouldn't. Remember, uh, it was a couple months ago, uh, the Navy came out and said, oh, yeah, these these videos that were released, the Tic Tac video and a few others, oh, yeah, they're a fully unexplained phenomenon, but they shouldn't have been released. They, you know, they, they make a point of saying, well, you, we didn't want them to be released. But they didn't deny it. See, that's the point. Mm-hmm. So it is coming out that uh, these are real. And researchers and experiencers are vindicated after all the ridicule they have experienced. I was standing in line at the uh, dinner with the uh, speakers at Contact the Desert last year with uh, Travis Walton. And I said, Travis, he was, of course, the uh, abductee famous in the movie Fire in the Sky. Fire in the sky. I yeah, said, Travis, how does it feel to finally be vindicated? Yeah, I said, how does it feel to be finally vindicated? He's like, it's a big relief. He says, you don't realize how much uh, slack I've had to take my whole life for telling this story. And now the whole abduction phenomenon is being uh, widespread recognized as being a worldwide mm-hmm. phenomenon, but especially in this country where we had this illicit 
treaty, this Griotta Treaty, which in my opinion is totally null and void because the people of the world did not know about it, and we did not give our consent. And humans have free will. We have a choice. And if anybody ever does feel that they're being abducted against their own will, they should absolutely say that I do not consent to this. And my understanding is if you are adamant enough that they have to let you go, that they cannot operate on you, that they'll try to say, oh, well, we're going to do these things. We're going to enhance you or we're going to cure you of a disease. We're going to help this uh, health ailment. Don't believe them. They're, they're not truthful. Uh, they will try to trick you. And they are service to self ETs. These are the Archons. They're part of the Archon network. They're not good for us. We've got to get rid of them. And the best way to get rid of them is to raise your vibrational level and, and be, try to be happy and joyful and banish these negative emotions that they literally feed off of. I'll tell you another thing that I've seen happen, because you do mention the truth, that we are a planet of free choice. We can choose. I've seen them walk into dreams. So while you're dreaming, they can walk into your dreams, and they can ask you for permission. And you don't know what you're even talking to, so you give your permission. They get it that way on the dream plane. Yeah. So I've told people, please, Work with your dreams. Pay attention. Get more conscious with your dreaming mind because these things do come in. They walk right in. And they did it to me once, and I I started to say yes until I faced them, and I went, oh, my God, no, get out. But it was so easy to go along with them in the dreaming reality where we generally don't have enough training and enough consciousness to send them away. So I've seen them do that. Yeah, that that's really interesting and a great point. And I would say that that, that remember in uh, the whole lore of, of vampires, you, you have to invite them in. Right. You have mm-hmm. to be open to it, and they'll fly in the window, and you'll be like, oh, okay, come on in. If you say no, they can't do it. I'll tell you a little story. I was uh, telepathically manipulated on my trip around the world in India, and uh, I was – for some reason, normally I wouldn't give these hucksters the time of day, but for some reason, the guy's like, oh, my friend, you can triple the money. And then he's like, you don't have to put any money down. No, 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 no money down. Just meet this friend of mine. I met this guy. He put me in a telepathic trance. Oh. And what did I eventually do? Hand over all my money. Oh, Fortunately, wow. it wasn't a lot of cash, most travelers' checks, which I was able to recover when I got to Egypt. But I was totally under a hypnotic spell. And I'll tell you, there's no other explanation for what I did because at that point I was already a seasoned traveler and would never do anything like that. But this guy, he locked me in and he says, he said, telepathically, I remember it in my mind. He's like, oh, you can trust him. Yeah, you can give him your money. Yeah, you should do this. It's a good deal. Yeah, give it all to him. It'll do it. Just do it. And I did. And then guess what? So I'm kind of standing there like, what just happened? As soon as they rounded the corner, I was out of it. It's like, what? I go running after them. Just then, they're jumping in the car and and, and taking off. So, I mean, lesson learned. I only lost maybe 50 U.S., but, uh, boy, what an experience. So I absolutely know that if you allow them in, if you invite them in, then they can capture your mind. 
And I would say the same is true in the dream state, which is basically our spirits traveling out of our body into mm-hmm. the fourth and other dimensions sometimes. And this is where they operate. You see, because mm-hmm. the archons will reject the whole notion of love and evolving as a species. Like the, the reptilians, they don't want to do it. They're quite happy being a warrior race, having this telepathic fourth dimensional advantage over us. They get off on it. They like being the, the boss, and they do not want to evolve. Some of them do. My understanding is some do, but the ones that we're interacting with in Earth don't. And they view us the same way that we look at livestock. You're just cattle to us, and we'll slaughter you, eat you, we'll do whatever we want to you because you mean nothing to us. And that they don't want to uh, change. But other ETs that are evolving in the fifth dimension, which is one of pure light and love. For example, the Pleiadians are very human-like. You wouldn't even be able to tell one walking down the street. But they have uh, more strands of DNA, and they're very advanced. And a problem that they're having in the Pleiades right now is so many of them are getting to this point where they don't need to be in a body anymore, that they're just like, and we've heard this with, with Tibetan monks or people that become enlightened they'll just get into this meditative state and then just peacefully walk out of their body and the body doesn't even die it just stays in a state of uh, uh, comatose in stasis and the spirit just leaves and it can come back but it can also stay out and basically uh, they would have a choice in Buddhist cultures to come back and reincarnate in what they call the bodhisattva to be one that comes back with the express purpose of helping to uh, help the human race grow and evolve. And those are the real uh, Buddha nature humans well, the that, uh, that uh, I mean, with the Pleiadians uh, taking on that bodhisattva role, let me ask you, I mean, where are they? Why aren't they helping more? Why are they what? Why aren't they helping more than... Because with all of the attacks that are going on in the human race, uh, where are the Pleiadians? Why aren't they yeah. becoming more involved in helping us? Well, do you remember in the Star Trek series they had this whole notion of the prime directive? Yeah, of Which course. was yeah. the fact that when the, the Enterprise would go to a planet, yeah, they can interfere. That is actually a real cosmic law. And Gene Roddenberry... He was sitting in on the Council of Nine uh, seances with psychics in the uh, late 1950s. Yeah, with Andrea Puhart, and, and who I knew. Down. Yeah, quite a yes. bit of information of, you know, Star Trek is us 300 years from now. And he was, they were channeling, what is it going to be like when humans are traveling around the universe just exploring? Well, yeah, like, uh, I mean, the show is brilliant, and it. It, it was just an absolutely brilliant Oh, concept. it was so advanced. But the thing is that I'm totally brilliant. asking is with these other races that are interfering, and they clearly are not following the prime directive. <laughs> they are doing the exact opposite. <laughs> so so why are the Pleiadians held to that standard? Well, they are uh, service to others, they and they actually are helping. Well, they are, but they're helping on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're helping through channelers. They're helping through empaths. 
but they don't want to just show up on the White House lawn and say, okay, we're here, we're the good aliens, and we're going to help you guys out. Why? Because then we look at them, A, as gods. We're still a very superstitious uh, planet. And, and then if we ever do have a problem, we say, okay, well, you're here to help us out, so now you solve it. No, they want us to solve our own problems. This is the human dilemma. It's up to us to do it. And they are here to help, and they will intercede on a one-on-one basis. And I think that is their role. However, the service to self ETs, they're more in your face. They're more, they'll do the abductions and they'll uh, do these nasty things and, and work with human cutouts that are willing to uh, sell themselves out. I mean, it gives new meaning to uh, uh, the devil. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't, I'm not uh, particularly Christian, but I'm looking at the Bible and and the Old Testament in a whole different way now. That uh, the the way that the devil doesn't want us to know who it is, how how it wants to disguise itself. Like the saying, the greatest trick the devil ever played was to make us believe it didn't exist, and that's exactly right. Uh, they don't want to be overt about it because there are are still 7 billion of us and we have a lot more numbers than they do they would much rather keep us in a state of ignorance control the narrative control the money use these cutouts that have basically sold out not only sold themselves out and they will pay the price karmically individually but have sold out the human race these are the type of people I mean this is why we live yeah yeah, it's it's uh, we get it. We do. Now, we have a question. Let me just pull this listener on to the air. We have just a few minutes left, but let me see who we have here. Hi, you're live on the air. Who's this? Hi, it's a huge fascinating show again. Hey, and Hugh, welcome to the show. We just have a few minutes left. Do you have a quick question for Brad? Yes, I just wanted to touch on what he was just speaking about and ask him, about Jesus Christ and his global travels as he talked to people about Jesus and what his feelings are. And uh, I think Jesus really gave the most simplest things of what we're here on the planet for is to learn unconditional love and then to be a blessing to others, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I'm, I resonate with that, not in a religious way, but in a spiritual way. So I'd just like to hear his comments on that. And the end game and everything, because even these ETs, if they're 10,000 years older than us, uh, and they're going to go back into spirit just like us eventually, be, I say we're all accountable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus Christ was an ascended master, uh, came down here to help the human race, and, and look at how he was treated. Look at how, how uh, he had to leave the planet. Um, and, and that's pretty common. You look at all the peacemakers, the nonviolent peacemakers from Gandhi to Martin Luther King, how they all uh, have such violent endings. That's, what's, that's why we live in this prison planet of ours. You know, it's very hard to escape uh, on a spiritual level to get out of here. And these masters were giving us signposts, the Buddha as well. Here are ways very practical ways that you can practice in your life to make yourself a good person, to do things that help, to be in service of others. It's really that simple. And I think all the great masters 
speak about the same thing. I had this wonderful book called The Parallel Teachings of Buddha and Jesus, and you cannot believe how they said the same things in different words, in different cultures, and at different times. But the truth is a pillar. It's a constant. It will always remain. Humans, we have a, a tendency to wrap it up in different ways and put lipstick on a pig. But at the end of the day, all that stuff falls away, and the pillar of truth remains. And that's what the great masters were trying to tell us, that there are these absolute truths and there are ways that we can ascend. And I cover this in, in, in my esoteric books because I am a positive person, and I want to try to help uh, deliver this information in such a way that people can understand it. And, uh, and to end the show and in my books in a positive way and, and look at how we can create a utopian world if we were to basically eliminate these roadblocks that have kept us from uh, – reaching a mass enlightenment as the other benevolent races such as the Palladians have done. And we can do it here on Earth, but uh, it's our struggle and we have to do it and we have to want it. Well, thank you, Brad, so much. And Hugh, thank you for your question and joining us on the air tonight. And Brad, we hope you'll come back when you've got your next book out. We'll help you spread the word about that. As well as I know, there's so many things we didn't even get to tonight. You're just an incredible yeah. wealth of Shop. information. <laughs> wow, so much for us to think about. Wonderful. Oh, yes. Thank yes. you very much. I appreciate that. And, uh, if anybody wants to check out my work, go to cccpublishing.com. The books that I publish, including other authors, or to learn more about me, bradolson.com. Uh, and you can also find my YouTube channel, which I've got about 100 videos up. All the chapters that I do for the audiobook version of the Esoteric series uh, are also in video form that you can watch for free. So I do give my uh, content away. Go to the Esoteric series, CCC Publishing, and you can browse the books using Google Earth uh, Books app on my website or listen to my audiobook chapters on the YouTube channel well thank you brad so much and we'll stay in touch so we can bring you back when you have your next book ready next week everybody we've got one of our dear friends lon milo duquette he is coming back until then we will see you on the blue highway good night everyone good night good night thanks for listening tune in next week for another radio adventure with supernatural Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.